What do you think about the iguanas? I mean, we got small ones, we got big ones there. Hi, my name is Charlie. I am the owner of Julie's Pets in Chicago. Isn't that awesome? You're listening to a podcast. That's a little bit for everybody. This episode is about animals. Little furry creatures. Animals with fur. Animals with fins. Animals with tails. Oh, quails. Look, we have quails. Animals that are scared of you. Animals that are aroused. Oh, baby chameleons. Animals that hate you. Look at these little guys. Animals in your house. See them right on the leaf? Animals in your yard. They're very, very skittish. Animals in your heart. They do make a squeaking sound, but they're not doing it right now. You know? Usually when you get them some... Some of the things you're going to hear are real. From Luminary Media, you're listening to Love and Radio. I'm Nick Vanderpolk. Today's episode, the episode about animals. much of a story really but he's looking at me now I feel like I'm like I don't know disclosing private information (laughs) he does have to go outside okay we'll make this quick so (laughs) the story is my mom came downtown for my birthday and she brought gifts for me and Birdie and my cat Birdie's treats were these little bone like chew bones but they're bacon flavored and they're like three inches long, I guess. So he takes the bone and goes and like sits over on the rug. And then all of a sudden I look over and I'm like, oh my God, my dog has a boner. We are in my living room, um, about to feed my dog one of these. American Kennel Club Chew and Bones Bacon Flavored Dog Treats. <laughs> Birdie, come here. Come here. For the control group, he's chewing on a plastic bone right now and does not have a boner. <laughs> Wait, bird. Ready? Okay. Now we wait. just like a (laughs) stupid theory it's still a stupid theory but i feel vindicated (laughs) it's a stupid fact it's a stupid fact yes 
Thank you. Earth confronts every baby animal with a strange new universe. Unfamiliar, disorienting. But nature provides a strategy to give order to this confusion. Within these infants, there is the strong impulse to bond through the mysterious and powerful process of imprinting. Hi, baby, I'm home. I love my pearly girl. I love my Super, super gross looking. They have them at zoos and people just walk past them and are like, oh, gross, fucking gross, nasty. Hairless and super wrinkly and they have like the huge buck teeth. However, naked mole rats, you know, they're laughing their way all the way to the fucking bank. They don't care. They have evolutionary adaptations that we as humans can't even begin to understand. In fact, scientists now are beginning to study them because they're the only creatures on the planet that don't visibly age. They aren't affected by aging-related diseases, cancer and Alzheimer's and things like that. It just, like, doesn't happen. You know, they're going to die eventually, but their chances of dying don't go up as they get older. Like, you know, as we get older, shit starts to break down. It's like, uh, every, every year we're mounting towards death. And they do that, but they don't really show it at all. And then they live the longest life of any rodents, so into, like, their 30s. They are cold-blooded, which for mammals is also almost unheard of. They don't have to drink water. They, are, they can just take any of the nutrients they need from, like, the plants and, like, roots that they eat. They don't feel pain from, like, inflammation or, like, physical kinds of pain. They just, like, don't feel it. They actually operate in a hive, so there's a queen. And a lot of, like, vicious fights to see who, A, becomes queen, and B, who gets to breed with the queen. Pretty brutal fights. Like, it can be, like, to the death. But then after that calms down, like, everyone's good. Well, she's the queen. So everyone go about your business. <laughs> and this is something, too, like, because naked mole rats, they have no way of, like, warming themselves. So when they're not, like, tearing each other to fucking bits over, like, who will be the queen, they actually, like, spend a lot of their time snuggling. <laughs> they have to, like, get the warmth somehow. They're cold-blooded, so they, like, all sleep on top of each other. And the queen, and this is just a great example of how they really don't age at all. She can breed, like, right after she's born until when she dies. Her reproductive organs, totally fine, totally chill. Ugh. Another sweet fact about them, their huge front beaver-like teeth 
They're actually bipedal, so they move front and back independently, yes. And there's no other animals that can do that and um, can, like, bite through concrete, essentially. Like, that's how powerful their teeth are. Absolutely brutal. Brutal little dudes. Oh, and they eat their own poop. I stumbled on something that I could not believe at first, but soon realized it had significance on me and everyone around me, which could not be ignored or underestimated. The Eskimos call the subject of my story Bushman. The Hoopas of Northern California call him Oma. But right now, let's just call him Bigfoot. Hey. What's up? If you love me, you know what I need you to do? <laughs> what? I need you to kill that monster up there. It's so huge. Why do you care? Because it's, it's so... It's freaky. It's really not that big. It's huge. It, had, it has girth. How would I ever reach that? I'll bring you a chair and a shoe. <laughs> Calm down. Ugh. Why does it have to die? It does. It just does. It's not my decision. Oh no. Did you get it? No, it fell down. No. So it's just in the bedroom somewhere. Yeah. Great. On the back of this um, Chew and Bones bacon-flavored dog treats bag, there's a number for Pet Brands, which is located in Dublin, Ohio, and I guess they make the treats. So I'm going to call them right now and see if they have uh, an explanation. It is ringing. Thank you for calling Pet Brands customer service. We're sorry we can't take your call at this time. Please leave your name and telephone number with area code where you can be reached. Hi, my name is Megan Henricks. Um, I bought your Chew and Bones bacon flavored dog treats for my. Thank you for calling Pet Brands customers. And I've given him five of them. So every time I give him one, he gets a raging boner every single time. Thank you for calling Pet Brands customer service. And really hard to get it to go away. I just want to know if that's normal, if that's okay, if that's the attended effect. Thank you for calling Pet Brands customer service. Should this be happening? I am like worried and I don't want to call my vet with this problem. Is it the moisture? It says there's 18% moisture in here. Thank you for calling Pet Brands customer service. If I give them to a human, will the human also get a boner? So anyways, please call me back. I don't know if they're dodging my calls or if they just don't want to call me back. So we're going to try calling again. Um. Thank you for calling Pet Brands. For customer service, press 8. To hear a dog bark, press 6. To hear a cat meow. I press 6 to hear a dog bark. But I'm not hearing one. What the fuck? Bullshit. So I guess we have to email them. We have to email them. Uh, we have to pee first. Uh, so Larry, how do you uh, name your dogs? Well, um, 
a long time ago, Pat was a little kid. I worked for this guy that was just not a good person at all. And when I came home and complained, Pat used to say, he's a dog, Pete's a dog. And then one day we got a dog. We decided since Pete was a dog, we named him Pete. So since then, any dog we had after that, we named after my boss, whoever it may be. We only really named two dogs after my bosses, and that was Pete and Lenny. Pete was a dog, Lenny was a good guy. Were the dogs similar to the, to the bosses? You know, maybe Lenny more than Pete. My boss Lenny and my dog Lenny were both pretty lazy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> they didn't move around a lot. But Pete was different. Pete was a, he was almost a feral dog. We were sitting in our back of our house one day, looking out in the yard, beautiful summer day, and this bird come flying over maybe six, seven feet off the ground, and Pete was sitting in the yard, in the middle of the yard, like a sphinx. And when a bird flew above him, he leaped straight up in the air and snatched it about six or seven feet out of the air. Me and Kate freaked. You know, we were like, drop the bird, drop the bird. You know? He was a tough old dog. So was Lenny, though, in his own way. In his own way. Lenny jumped into the river down there one time when I was taking him for a walk. And, you know, the seawall down there is like six foot some spots. So I said to him, you dumb shit, how are you going to get back up now? You know what I mean? I ain't walking way down there with you. So he jumped out and opened the wall, didn't even touch the wall, didn't scramble, just from the ground up on top of the wall. He was the most leaping dog i ever seen in my life. Lenny was a great dog. Yeah, it's a shame. They, they can't live forever, you know. So one dog was named after a bad boss. One dog was named after a good boss. And people would ask me why I would do that. And I always would say, well, this way if I get pissed off at work and come home and I can kick my boss, you know, which I never done. But that was the idea behind it, <laughs> you know. But anyway, yeah, that's how I, we name our dogs. The English countryside in the height of summer, all the trees in full leaf, the corn stands high, how rich and full of plenty it all seems. But wild creatures are not deceived by appearances. All know that a time of plenty will not last forever. The squirrel is collecting acorns. Squirrel in its grey among the branches has a larder of nuts and acorns. Dormice are gathering hips and haws. Hips and haws in the nest of the dormouse on the hedge. Here's an ordinary honeybee, the famous busy bee, the symbol of energy. Although the countryside and the gardens are full of flowers, the wise bee isn't led away into believing that because there seems to be plenty of food, you should eat the lot. In the winter of war, the government is playing its part for us. Like the bees, the Ministry of Food is collecting food, planning its use, storing it for the whole community. Human beings are supposed to be intelligent, when it comes to the wise use of food, are they as wise as these animals, these birds, these insects? Well, are they? She's the perfect little kitty. Sweet girl, the girl of my dreams. Sweetest little pussy I ever did see. I like all the time we've been spending.
That's really nice. Oh, a big yawn. Wait for real, it's not that I want to fuck my cat. I just love my cat. I finally found someone I could talk to. I met a rancher. He said it ain't Kodiak killing my cattle. He said Bigfoot's been killing my cattle. Bigfoot? What a bunch of hogwash. So I soon forgot about him, till I was up tracking a mountain lion. And I found these tracks. So last night, I got up in the middle of the night to get a glass of water from the sink, and a house centipede scurried out from underneath our blender. So I just got a high heel shoe that belongs to my girlfriend and a can of Raid, you know, whatever it takes. I'm gonna try to confront and kill or capture this house centipede. Here we go. So for those of you listening at home, I am going around the area around my sink and just prodding things up gently. It's not under the, it's not under the blender anymore. Dish mats, dishes in the sink. I'm gonna be really alarmed if I can't find this. I'm gonna start running some water and see if that flushes them out. I don't know what it is about centipedes. I really don't like them. They're long and they have these really thin legs that shoot out, like three or four inches long, and they move really fast. And they kind of look like a disembodied mustache of an adolescent teenager or something that just like crawled off some boy's face who wasn't able to fully grow a mustache. Um, no house centipede. <sighs> My top lady animal of all time is the female anglerfish. I think most people know them best as the scary fish from Finding Nemo. So you can picture their gigantic teeth and terrifying spine-like protrusion that comes out of their head, on the end of which there is a worm-like piece of flesh that has a bunch of glowing bacteria inside of it. And essentially they use that in the deep, dark sea to lure in prey. Fishing for other fish. And they're able to distend their jaws and stomach twice the size of their body. Like, So that it can keep these larger creatures in. And their teeth can also act like the bars of a prison to keep their prey while alive still inside their stomach. The um, tale of the anglerfish kind of spans over centuries. They're pretty mysterious. It's been very difficult to actually go down into their habitat to get any information about them. It was kind of a mystery for a long time why there were no males of this fish. They knew that there had to be male anglerfish. It was just like, where are they? What do they look like? 
And it wasn't until the 1920s, a scientist in Iceland found an example of the species that had two tiny fish attached by its snouts to the bottom of a female anglerfish stomach. And he, at that time, assumed that those were its babies. Later in the 1920s, a scientist was able to determine that those were not, in fact, its babies, but its mates. So what do they look like? They're just kind of, they're kind of cute, actually. They don't have the giant teeth, they don't have a lure, and they're about an inch or less in size. They're like, they're just like little fish. They look like little minnows with like a little bit of a larger mouth. And they use that mouth to attach themselves to the bottom of the female anglerfish. And the reason that they don't have like the teeth or the lures is because they have the females. They attach themselves to their bottom like a parasite. Their snouts kind of suction in on the stomach. And eventually, over time, they lose the entire mass of their body, and they basically dissolve, losing their eyes and their internal organs, basically becoming just like a small testicle sack. Yeah, and the females, they're able to carry not, not only just one on their body at a time, but six or more. And the more, the better. They just discard the rest and just take the testicles. Gal, it's been a while since we've had a visitor sexually in the house, you know? I just haven't had somebody, like, really smack me in my face in a minute, which we can get into the politics of kink later, Pearl, and it's okay, but you just gotta know, there was a time when I would get smacked in my face. It was pretty fun for me. There'll be a day when it all happens, and I find someone who's my speed that way again. In the meantime, I got you. For the rest of it. I love you so much, I'm so thankful. There's very little that makes me feel better than that, than petting my cat. My head was reeling with Bigfoot. I plotted all the reliable reports. There actually seemed to be a migratory pattern extended over thousands of miles. If this were true, I'd have some means of predicting the creature's movements and a good chance to find some answers to my questions. The greatest number of sightings and the only ones of the Bigfoot young were in summer, above the Arctic Circle. Could that be where Bigfoot migrated to breed? If I move rapidly, I might find a clue before season's end. Here it goes. I made a mark on the ceiling though. I'll wipe it off my flip-flop now. There's a lot of things that upset me about house centipedes. 
but I think the thing that upsets me most is just the hatred I feel towards them every time I see one. And when I raised my flip-flop, it like raised a couple feelers in the air. Like it sensed that I, what was about to happen. Pure hatred. And then I killed the shit out of it. It just fills my heart and, you know, I have to kill them. Come out to play. I, I can't stop. I can't stop. There's a baby house centipede on the floor. Bye, baby house centipede. It bothers me that I can feel that level of hatred towards anything. Ah! Ew! It makes me think, like, maybe I could kill a person. And I think about that every time I see a house centipede. So that's, that's why they bother me. Hello? Um, hello, uh, Megan. Uh, this is Randy from over at uh, Pet Brands. I'm calling uh, to follow up on your inquiry regarding the Chew and Bones bacon-flavored dog treats. Uh, yeah. I Wow, it's been so long. I kind of thought you guys were not going to get back to me. Well, yeah, well, it's been a while. I realize that. Uh, and, uh, and I do apologize that it's taken so long. Uh, things have actually been really quite hectic here. But we take this uh, matter very seriously, and I want to help you out uh, today uh, insofar as I am able. Uh, great. So I guess just, like, what is the deal with these bones? Okay, well, uh, yeah, I can tell you. And, uh, 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 well, uh, well, you, you probably should not give your dog any more of these uh, of the, of the dog bones. There's uh, no evidence that would lead us to conclude that there's anything harmful in them at all. But out of an abundance of caution, we would say, okay, no longer uh, give him the dog treats. Uh, dog bones will have some flavoring in it. Some of it is natural and some of it is artificial. We've used them in dog food and cat food and with food for heirs with uh, nursing foals. If you can feed a certain kind of a food to a lactating mare, that has a really finicky digestive system, and you know that you have a really solid food that is really beyond reproach, and that is what we thought we had with these dog bones, and we thought no problem. And Wait, so you test dog treats on horses as well? Oh, yeah, we, we, have a, we have a full lab. We have horses and dogs and cats and everything like that, but it's more like a, a family-type thing. I, I bring my, my uh, little dog, my little dachshund, in with me, and, you know, she runs around and around and plays with all the animals and stuff like that. Oh my god, what's your dachshund's name? Uh, Kirby, yeah. Her, her name is Kirby. Kirby sounds like a guy's name, but it's, it's a girl dog. But anyway, yeah, so, so the thing is, is, you know, uh, we've tested all of these things and observed them, and there, there's nothing hazardous uh, in, in them. Okay, so like I could eat them and I would be fine. <laughs> uh, oh yes, yeah, absolutely, yes you can. I have eaten them too. Uh, really? It's true, yeah. I was involved in product development for several years, and uh, I've eaten all of the animal food. Do you have a favorite? Uh, yeah, I like the, the dog foods. The, the dry dog foods, I mix it up with some milk, you know, and microwave it, and I crunch it up a little bit, and that actually isn't bad. And I know that sounds funny, but yes, I've eaten all of the dog food, and it had no effect like that on me. Well, I guess I'm happy to hear that. I mean, I wouldn't want them to eat something I I wouldn't eat anyway. Uh, uh. No, I, that's actually a really great, great policy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, uh, well, thank you for calling me back. I really uh, appreciate how thorough you've been. Oh, well, well I, I'm glad to help. And uh, as I say, don't hesitate to, to uh, call back if, if something uh, comes up. Okay, Hi, this is Charlie from Julie's Pets. And this is Nick Vanderkolk from Love and Radio. That's the end of the show. This episode came to us from producers John Fasile, Megan Henricks, and our very own Stephen Jackson, who also composed all the original music you heard. The version of this episode was originally produced for their upcoming smash hit documentary comedy podcast, Hot Lunch find it soon. Today's episode featured the voices of Laurel Zoff Pelton, Martina Pfefferly, Naked Mole Rats, they're laughing their way all the way to the fucking bank, Randy Jackson, you probably should not give your dog any more of these uh, dog bones, Megan Henricks, I pressed six to hear a dog bark, but I'm not hearing one. John Fasile. It it just does. It's not my decision. And Larry Keeley. He was the most sleeping dog I ever seen in my life. Special thanks also to Steve McLaughlin for recording Larry's interview. Love and Radio is produced by Stephen Jackson and Julia DeWitt. Our managing producer is Phil Domahofsky. We are a production of Luminary Media. I'm Nick Vanderkolk. Okay, see you. Bye. <laughs>